President Trump declared the opioid crisis a public health emergency. Do you agree with him? Is there an agenda being served? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, sometimes Saturday 3 to 6, sometimes Sunday 1 to 3. It all depends. Today, it is Sunday 1 to 3. I am live. You can call. We're going to talk about this opioid crisis. I'm kind of going to let it uh, uh, let people call with their own experiences and insights, although I've got a lot to say, especially from a libertarian perspective. The number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. So Trump declared in a speech this week that the opioid crisis is a public health emergency. And uh, any any suggested I read the document from the White House uh, website and the solutions or the actions that are going to take place are kind of your typical stuff. Nothing really earth shattering, moving money around, streamlining processes, maybe injecting more money. I didn't really dig into what maybe some of those things were leading towards, although if you do a little bit of your own research, there there seems to be money for drug companies at the end of that rainbow. I don't know. I haven't dug into it that way yet. Because as a libertarian, what I tend to do is I don't look at uh, policy solutions to problems before I take a step back and ask the question if there are policies that are creating this problem. And I think it's probably safe to say that anyone who calls himself a libertarian is against the drug war for uh, for number one, for the reason that you are making a personal choice to use drugs or not to use drugs, even to sell drugs or to buy drugs, and that it's none of the government's business to use force to interfere with that. For me, I would even take it one step further and say that the drug war is counterproductive, that uh, or that the government itself creates, uh, actually contributes to the dependency that it's the fact that it's a black market for drugs that creates the violence that, uh, you know, Merck, when Merck sells drugs, it's a, it's a legitimate company. There's no violence attached because if they put something wrong in their pills, that would be fraud, which is a crime. Uh, if somebody doesn't pay them, they can sue them or attach their assets. They have recourse with the courts. They don't have to break their legs. And uh, in the competitive environment, the government doesn't come in and take Merck away and lock it up in jail so that another so that the other companies fight for the corners. It's just it's the black market that creates the violence. And and I think that is a common focus for libertarians analyzing the issue. But I would say there's another element to it, which I think is more serious that doesn't get as much attention. And that is, in my opinion, and I, I think it's probably evident to anybody who who's really close to the problem, that the government is the greatest enabler of drugs probably in the world, not just the back alley, you know, Iran-Contra or CIA crack stuff, that Gary Webb uh, 
revealed in his book, Dark Alliance, which I believe he died for revealing, but that, so there's, so there's all that nefarious stuff behind the scenes, but as far as just the enabling element of it, the drug problem is much worse, I believe, because we have a welfare state. And I think a great example or an easier to understand examples, if you ever watch a show, I try, I, I found it fascinating a couple of times, but it's really sad, so I don't watch it too much, but it's called My 600-Pound Life. And you watch these people who are extremely obese, and I think a lot of them are trying to get gastric bypass surgery or whatever, but you see their lives, and you see that they cannot work they uh, they can't even procure their own food, so they always have an enabler, a family member, whatever, who brings them food. But it's a lot of food, and, and they tend, it always seems to me they're on the poor side, if not really poor. And you can't help but wonder, where are they getting all the money for the food? And where is their family getting money for the food? And are they really, are their families working like dogs to bring enough food to this person to maintain this very unhealthy lifestyle? And I think the obvious conclusion is that in many cases, it's a function of, uh, food stamps, welfare, disability insurance, all that kind of stuff that that supports these lifestyles and increases the incidence of obesity. And I would say in a parallel way, drug addiction in our uh, in American society. So I have a uh, a personal experience this year that really demonstrated that. My, if you listen to my show, you'll know that this was just a devastating year for my family. And uh, I don't want to get morose. I don't want to get you know, talk too much about the sad stuff. But one, we lost a lot of people this year. And one of the losses was one of my sisters who died of a drug overdose in July. And I don't, I don't need to go through all the blow by blow, but and the details. I'm happy to. I don't mind sharing it. I asked my mom if she minded if I shared it. She said it's fine. Uh, as my mother's philosophy is, if it's true, say it. So as long as I keep it true, mom. I know she listens. If if I get anything wrong, you can give me a call. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me. Mom's not going to tweet, but you can tweet, at Monica Perez Show. So uh, so, so I just want to, uh, with my sister's story, there are a couple of elements that point out what I'm trying to say here about how the government enables. And with her, you know, so much of her story is like straight out of the propaganda memes or whatever, the agenda serving memes she was uh, had back pain she actually had a pin in her back she was addicted to painkillers she was also addicted to heroin she was an alcoholic uh all this stuff but uh and ultimately heroin laced with fentanyl killed her but how she lived this lifestyle was very heavily dependent on the government she did not work hadn't worked in a long time she her methadone program was subsidized by the government her her government insurance with Medicaid or Medicare, whatever it was, paid for her to take taxis to methadone. She had, uh, you know, paid for her doctors to get her pills. And ultimately, the heroin that killed her was paid for by money that was direct deposited into her account by the government, who was well aware at that time of what her situation was and that she was really on the verge of self-harm there, whether intentionally or not. So for me, like in the state without that, the welfare state, the safety net that provides and all these facilitating policies they have is what is called 
in economic circles and libertarian circles and elsewhere a moral hazard. It's it creates a problem. It creates a moral problem. That's not necessarily the intention of the policies, but it creates the problem. And that's what I think in part, or maybe first of all, needs to be addressed. But even with all of this, even with my mother who has now buried two people, two drug-related deaths, two children, two of her children, my brother, my sister, uh, she will always say in the end, free will? You got free will? So, so... uh, she describes herself as a libertarian, and I think she really lives that because she can. Uh, she recognizes that it's a personal choice. This is what a sticking point is: that it's hard for the government to say they can use violence for drugs because it is a personal choice, and they need this drug war. It really justifies a lot of the surveillance state, a lot of the police state. Terrorism is taking its place a bit, but a lot of that stuff, just the door was opened in the drug war to government overreach, no-knock raids, all that kind of stuff. So I've noticed lately, and in Trump's speech this week, he actually said, this is not a victimless crime. And he talks about how babies are born addicted to drugs they so and i noticed this fentanyl stuff apparently just being near it is enough to kill you so now law enforcement is in danger so these are innocent bystanders then yesterday i think i saw the the the, uh piece de resistance the really the um most obvious example of like they're innocent bystanders Binkley, can you do you have handy that um Headline, I tweeted, I don't want to get it wrong. What, uh, lay that on me. The headline is, Puppy Revived with Narcan Narcan After Eating Discarded Opioid. Right. So I read that on WSB. I also heard it on Fox. There's this adorable, adorable puppy, like a yellow lab puppy, which is like as cute as the puppiest puppy you could possibly ever <laughs> yeah. see. And this cute, adorable puppy nearly died because it sniffed fentanyl in a discarded cigarette package, which fortunately its quick thinking owner got it to a vet and somebody figured out that this puppy needs Narcan. And then the puppy was revived. But the point is this kind of theme promotes the idea that it's not a victimless crime. And when I see that kind of stuff, I can't help but feel there is an an agenda at work. And and maybe they just exploit these crises. I am always down the rabbit hole. I feel like they um, manufacture these crises or facilitate them. So I want to talk about the agenda. But if you have an insight, if you have a personal experience here that you want to share, maybe set me right, set me straight. Maybe I'm missing something. Um, I have some criticisms of my own position that I will share with you. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And uh, you can tweet me at Monica Perez Show. Right after the break, I have someone who actually does have a constructive bit of advice Uh about uh, relevant to the crisis. So hang on for that. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 37 degrees outside the studio. Skies are hazy. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We're talking about Trump and uh, declaring the opioid crisis a public health emergency. And I'm... I'm sharing a story I think is relevant, 
And I'm interested in your stories. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to my sister, Franny, is on line six. Hi, Fran. How you doing? Good, Monica. How are you? Good. We were just talking for people who just joined us. Our One of our sisters died this year of in July of a heroin overdose laced with fentanyl. And in her case, she was actually, and this is very, very common. She was clean. Uh, she was in a facility um, against her will, I might add. We can get into that a little bit later, the libertarian take on that. Uh, and they released her, and she... Uh, immediately went and got heroin, which ended up being laced with fentanyl, and it killed her. So I I only have about a minute, Fran, but I know that you had, uh, through your um, the work you've been doing kind of in the aftermath of this, you've found out something that might be helpful to people who are in a similar situation. You want to tell us? Yeah, I did. Um, I was looking for some answers, and I discovered that there's this promising tool that's available um, to the people on the front lines and addicts in crisis. Uh, it's called Vivitrol, and it's a once-a-month, non-narcotic, non-addictive, injectable medication that um, completely uh, blocks the opiate activity on the brain. So um, if someone's clean, they have to be clean for about a week, but if they are injected with this, um, it really cuts down the uh, um, relapse rates, everything. They don't, just don't even have the desire to do it. So I was wondering why maybe if there's a conspiracy, <laughs> but why, why wouldn't this be more available? Why didn't I even know about this? I mean, it's, it sounds like it's something that should be pretty commonly used if the opiate uh, problem is as terrible as we actually know it is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. I actually do think that there are, kind of sinister motives behind some of these developments. But that that's an interesting thing if people are interested in that. Vivitrol, I think it's called. And uh, I also had a helpline number, 1-800-662-HELP. Uh, that's 4357. Uh, because you do need help. And that's, that's where the libertarian angle gets kind of interesting because... Uh, can you use the government to do it? Isn't that really force? What you know? That's what they call a competing rights issue. I want to get into that, but Cliff, Jill, they're going to share their stories. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. Monica Perez on News ninety five five and AM seven fifty WSB. Every American should know that if they purchase illegal drugs. They are helping to finance some of the most violent, cruel, and ruthless organizations anywhere in the world. Illegal drug use is not a victimless crime. That was President Trump this week announcing the opioid crisis as a national health emergency. And I found that clip interesting because he points out the violence inherent in the drug trade, but it's not inherent in the drug trade because pharmaceutical companies don't have that problem. It's inherent in black markets. Black markets for anything are marked with violence because they cannot use the legal system to resolve disputes. You can't go to the courts if there's fraud. You can't sue them for tort for accidental drug overdose because you can't find them because they're not in retail establishments because they're on the run. There's I went over it a little bit earlier in this show and if you want to hear the whole show go to i have uh 
we'll post it in a couple of days on propagandareportdaily.com along with our other podcasts. But uh, so I'm not going to go through all that. But another thing about this clip that was interesting to me was that he emphasizes, Trump emphasizes that uh, this is not a victimless crime. And there's another clip where he talks about babies being addicted. We were talking earlier about a puppy who needed to be revived by Narcan. Like there's clearly a big push to get us to believe that it is the government's business to protect us from uh, the violence, the death, the danger of drug, of the drug trade, of drugs, of illegal drugs, even if we're not involved in it ourselves. It can reach into your community and nab you. And that's important because people are starting to get sick of the drug war. And you can see that with the legalizing pot movement, which I also feel like is a double-edged sword. As a libertarian, I'm not advocating that drugs be illegal. I'm just saying you got to watch out because George Soros is funding the legalized pot movement. There are a lot of corporations who are going to benefit from it. Um, Tax revenue goes up. And I, I think it really neutralizes the political power, the the cognitive thinking, the influence, the effectiveness of of the youth who tend to be idealistic and activist and all that. So I do not advocate drug use. I, I don't advocate the drug war either. But the reason so people are getting sick of it now, uh, in order to get you to think so it's it's like it's like the war on terror in order to justify invading Syria, we have to experience terrorism here. And a lot of the terrorism plots were actually facilitated by the FBI. You know, this is in the New York Times. This is in the record. Fox showed it, too. So what they do is they make sure that you feel like it's self-defense to justify it. And they really need to continue with the drug war. There's black operations money comes out of it, as we saw with Iran-Contra. But really, it's just used to justify, just like the war on terror is used to justify the police state, the surveillance state, curtailing the Bill of Rights, uh, uh, no-knock raids, a lot of things that the Brit building the wall, Trump, I noticed this for a while now, is using the drug war as a reason to build the wall. That wall might end up keeping us in. I mean, if you're down the rabbit hole as far as I am, you know how bad things can get with a government that's uh, increasingly totalitarian as ours is. So I, I think that they're really doubling down on the drug war and they want us to think that we are justified in in this because we can be touched by it. But I say as a libertarian, the only reason these negative effects happen is the nature of the black market, not the nature of drugs per se. Uh, But I want to know your experiences. This, what I did also say earlier is that this has touched my family Uh, in many ways. We've lost several, I think six people to heroin related deaths. Um, I, two siblings, Uh, I have cousins, in-laws, you know, really in my family. And this year in July, my sister died of a heroin overdose of heroin laced with fentanyl. And that's like the fentanyl is the thing that people will pick up and cops will smell and OD. You know, that's the thing that that endangers innocent bystanders. We were talking earlier about a puppy who was revived by Narcan. You know, it just it so feeds into the memes. Um Binkley, do you have a, a tweet for me? I think we had a tweet in response to that little story about the puppy. Yeah, the originalist tweets, the ODing puppy story is a joke, right? 
Yeah, it seems like a joke because it's so it's so propaganda. You know, it's like the opposite of atrocity propaganda. Like you look at that cute puppy with his little bandaid on his paw <laughs> and you're like, oh, my gosh, we need to have a drug war. That puppy's so cute. Um it's just manipulative. It's just emotional. But there are real questions here. Like with us, my sister was so far gone. She had been using drugs for so long that we really had to debate whether it was okay to commit her. Uh, and that, as a libertarian, is 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 a real question. You know, do you let people who are really at that point mentally incompetent, people like that, or Alzheimer's or children or whatever, just roam around freely in the name of liberty, or are there limits to that? I'm interested in that, and also in your stories. Uh, to the extent you can give us some insights, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Cliff and Marietta. Hi, Cliff. You're on with Monica. Hi. I, I just want to tell you, thank you very much for your insight into this, because there's so many people that just don't have a clue. Yeah, it's hard to get your mind around. I try to think of, like, where is it even coming from? Why is it such an epidemic in a, in the richest society that ever existed? Why Why are people giving themselves mental illness? Which is what this is, you know? It's self-induced mental illness. Well, I'll just be brief with my story. My daughter got involved with uh, just opioids about five or six years ago. And when we discovered it and when she she had sort of like a church background, so she was willing to, you know, work with the program to, to get straightened out and everything. So a couple of years later, they tightened. I guess she was still trying to sneak and take up stuff, take different stuff. And then she had turned to heroin when I guess they dried up a lot of the opioids as far as being able to get to the market. So she got caught, thank goodness, by the police. And so she got in a different program, and they told us about something called Vivitrol. I heard you mention it a minute ago on the air. Mm -hmm. And so I read all the things online about it, and I thought, my goodness, you mean there's some kind of hope for when you get hooked on heroin and stuff like that? So. She had great insurance where she was working, and she was able to get Vivitrol shots. And they would come like once every 30 days or 35 days or something like that. And it was just really a ray of hope. And then her insurance company, I guess because of the cost of them, stopped giving her the shots and stopped paying for the shots. And I was in shock to find out that when she started paying herself to get on them, that they were like twelve to $1,400 a piece. Yes, that's so what I, my, my sister just sent me more information on that. Yes, isn't that crazy? I mean, the, it's, it's it, interesting because is it considered a mental illness or a, or a disease that the insurance should really be paying for that? For sure, it's... It, the cost to her, you know, it, it, did she, had she managed, did she manage without it? You know, five months, five months taking those shots for five months. And she came to me and she said, dad, you know, I don't have that craving anymore to do this. Now she's gotten in a couple of things like celebrate recovery and drug programs like that, that help her maintain. But I could not believe that the price on that. And so when Trump made this a statement about all this drug money that was coming in, I go, oh my goodness, they're going to be able to uh, subsidize the cost of Vivitrol. And through the studies and finding out about it, it's still going to stay the same. And yeah, well, dealing- I know my sister who called earlier, my family's from New York, they are working with one of the, I think it's a state senator, 
Carlucci, who wants to make it part of the government program to make sure people are able to get on this stuff. But as to me, as libertarian, I'm always conflicted because do I want to have the government pay for this stuff when, you know, to me, it's not a government issue, but it, right. it really hits home, you know, when you think about what is the real solution here? Because my sister died, you know, like she died. So it's all nice to be theoretical, but... Uh, could we have helped her in some way? And if this would have helped, would I have? She was getting disability anyway. She was getting Medicare, was paying for methadone anyway. They were paying for a taxi to go to get methadone. You know, is it is it against my principles to say, you know what, you could shift the money from that to this? You know, maybe right. it is worth it. But anyway, thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, I hope she stays on the straight and narrow. I am under the impression that these uh, community, these groups, the support groups, can can be very effective, like from AA to to maybe your church groups or whatever, where other members will be there for you 24-7. I mean, they take it, uh, recovering people, helping other recovering people really take that seriously. I do think that if that's something that works for you, uh, th- those people are dedicated. I am going to go to Jill in coming. Jill, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey, Jill. Um. I'm going to try to get through this phone call because this is, um, m- my daughter died just a little over a month ago and, um, we found her, um, and she had, there was a bag of heroin and a rolled up $5 bill and she, she died right there, um, behind a desk. Um, and, um, we found her cause she, nobody could reach her, um, but she was, she had been battling this since at least 2008 when we did an intervention and got her into a rehab, which she broke the rules, got kicked out, went to another rehab, broke the rules, um, got out, <laughs> um, got with her boyfriend, got pregnant. Um, so I have... She had a, a daughter before that, um, so she's left three beautiful children, and I'm here to tell you this is definitely not a victimless crime, because she has dev- devastated all of us through this whole ordeal, and I'm sure you're aware of it, yeah. um, going through it with your sister. And and I, I have I would like to ask you, I mean, you're not alone and do you have any insights? Is there anything that you would say you think that, that you could have done or anyone could do? Because I feel like we, we I don't I don't know if I have any insights and to what is really an answer here. There is nothing else we could have done. We I mean, every time we tried to help her, um she would uh, you know, she she acted like she wanted to have help. She was a living contradiction mm-hmm. of life because she would um, she would say, all I ever wanted to do was be a mommy, and all I want is my kids, and all I want is this, and, and then she would act like she was straight, and then she would go hawk everything to get drugs. And it just, every time you started to trust her, she would betray uh, everyone. Yeah, that it, that is a a very common thing. They they're they're deceptive and also they're conflicted 
it's it's like the devil has a grip on them. I I'm gonna I have to go to a break, Jill, and I would I would tell you to hang on, but I'm gonna let you go because it is it's difficult and painful. Um, and I really appreciate your sharing the story and uh, and I and I think we can continue talking about this a little bit because this is not an unusual story. And and yes, the family does suffer greatly. So give me a call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 50 degrees, the forecast high today, I would say, if we're lucky. 38 low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to go to Alex in Atlanta. Alex, you are on with Monica. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm all right. I just wanted to comment on something, uh, you know, having to do with, uh, you know, laws on drugs. Uh, sorry, pertaining to drugs and as well as Trump's declaring the uh, opioid epidemic a national emergency. Um, I used heroin for many years. I, I started out being prescribed uh, oxycodone for herniated discs in my back. And uh, the DA got involved, and they offered, well, more like forced guidelines on the doctors, forcing them to limit the amount of time you're able to be prescribed to something, uh, as well as other things, you know, enforcing laws on pharmacies, making them making it harder for them to dispense the drugs. Well, once you've been prescribed to a decent enough dose for a while, you're going to become physically dependent. Whether you're abusing it or not, you're, getting de- you're going to be dependent on it. And when the government basically forced me to be taken off without really being weaned, I went to heroin. And I used that for five years, and I found getting off was extremely difficult. And they, they declared the opioid epidemic a, a national emergency, but the problem I see is that they don't offer any means of getting off to people who are really, you know, neck deep in it. Yeah, and and actually, I do find that some of their policies, you got to wonder, and if you go down the rabbit hole like I do, sometimes I think they create these addictions on purpose because there's so much political power to the drug war, from the money to the police state. I want to keep talking about this. Matt, hang on. He thinks the drug addiction is a mental illness. I want to explore that. 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.